Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are back. Another Sunday. That means another Mangum Talks TV episode. We are at Season 2, Episode 5 of Succession. This one titled Turnhaven. Before I get your thoughts on the episode and the show generally, Spencer, I do want to uh, plug something that's on the Mangum Talks podcast channel, and that is our annual New Year's Whiskey on the Weekends podcast. <laughs> a lot of fun recording that one. We blew through five different whiskeys. We set an all-time record. In one hour, we tried five whiskeys. They are the Jim Beam Signature Craft Edition, I believe, uh, whiskeys that BJ was able to find. They're pretty rare. Uh, we had a big group. It was me, Spencer, um, BJ, Levi, so the usual suspects, but also we had Hao Wu, mm-hmm. um, Bree, who is uh, BJ's girlfriend, and my wife, Sarah, joined, so we had a big room. A lot of fun. Spencer, did you enjoy it? I, I enjoyed it, and I think we all learned a valuable lesson about me not pouring. Worked- yeah, that's true. You poured the first one, and we were going to do five whiskeys in an hour, and you p- probably poured everybody two shots worth. At just least. to get going. Just to get us going. It, <laughs> we, we had a fun... We, we actually could like measure the line of the various glasses of what role I had to pour in, which is the first two, where I, th- I poured like half the bottle of the first one for us. And then once other people started taking over controlling their own drinks, we had a much more reasonable ratio from there. <laughs> we also recorded um, some other segments throughout the night. We did about three or four of those. As you can imagine, at a New Year's party, recording one, two o'clock in the morning, I've got some editing to do, but I hope that we're going to be able to get at least one more pod's worth of material um, out from that evening. Uh, other than that, just check out Mangum Reads. They have... Bi-weekly, I think, podcast, if that's about right, Spencer, although I don't know that you track the release schedule, and then also a weekly um, episodes of Pottering Around, which is a chapter-by-chapter reread of the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Plugs out of the way. Let's get into the episode, Turnhaven. Spencer, what'd you think? This was an interesting episode. It propelled the plot along massively. Uh, it also gave us to meet, in some ways, the mirror opposite of the Roy family, of where Previously, we haven't had liberals being stereotyped much in the show. The elitists that are often being, you know, being, being insulted or mocked by uh, the, uh, by ATN News. Now we've met them firsthand, and they were delightfully insufferable in their own way. But they were, yeah. If you thought that this show was really just, you know, a bunch of liberals shitting on the Murdochs, you have another thing coming. Oh no, we got to see the other side of the coin right here. We also got to see that. If you want to, say, arrange for a diplomatic envoy to, you know, negotiate with another country, corporation, whatever else, I think the bottom option you'd ever ponder would be the Roy family. Because this is not a collection of very competent people in interacting with normal humans for more than a few minutes. Not at all. We, uh, As you point out, there's a lot of setup in this episode, a lot of plot movement, but we also, I think the episode culminates in an all-time scene for the show, which is a dinner party with the Roys and the Pierces. And it will be fun to talk about it with you. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Uh, we can start with the recap. We'll go to Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. We'll do Roman line of the episode. A lot of good options there. And then mm. Roy of the episode, where we designate one member of the Roy family who won the episode. Let's get into the recap. Mm-hmm. We start with Shib going into Logan's apartment. Shib going into Logan's apartment alone never seems to me like a good idea. It never works out well for Shiv. No, and this episode is a collection of did not work out well for Shiv moments, and we start with one here. Yeah, she meets with Tom, and Shiv is asking about Roman and Kendall right away. Really dismissing Tom here. It's a, it's a small point, but like this episode starts right out with her being like, Tom, I can't deal with you right now. Mm-hmm. Tom asks if maybe Logan would announce her, and she says no, but she says no in a way that you can tell she's like really hoping yes. Um... 
Roman comes in. <laughs> <laughs> the everyman yeah. has arrived. Yeah, I think I have his quote here. Uh, Richard, hail my fellow doorman. I have returned from real America, bearing the sight of the gift of sight. <laughs> Shit, that was summer camp. Hmm, what's that? Didn't catch that. I've been down in the salt mines so long with my fellow Johnny Lunch Pails. I no longer speak 1%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this just starts a run of where Roman cannot, among other people, take his training seriously. And for Roman's future progression, that's a problem. He needs to be serious about this, but it's just not in him. He continues, I've seen the world for how it really is, Siobhan, and it has taken me, or it has changed me. I'm a kettle corn shoveler, here to show you frilly quit flickers the truth. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't expecting you to say that part. <laughs> yeah, whatever, I'm in Roman. Yeah. Um, they, so the point of this is they're all clearly planning a trip to see the Pierces. Yeah. And the topic of Rhea comes up. I thought this was really interesting because Connor didn't even know who Rhea was. I think Shiv and Kendall know who she is, but they're a little confused as to why she is in such close coordination with Logan. Logan bellows that they can trust Rhea. I know Rhea! Um, And then Kendall attempts to translate what Logan has been driving at during this conversation, which is basically saying everyone should play their role. Another great great quote from Roman here. I'm worried that Kendall may come off as too cool and likable. (laughs) It's an interesting discussion of where, I mean, Logan's basically saying, A, they like the money, and Ray has kind of given us an in with them, but they want to meet us, get a read on us individually, see how fucked up we are based on what the tabloids are saying. Yeah, and this is not just like a, hey, come over for dinner trip. This is like you're staying the weekend. Yeah. Um, so I think that was by design probably for the Pierces to try to see if they could really get a, a feel for how the family works. I think they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the episode. Um, and then Logan goes on. He says, thanks for all your help. We need this. Bagging Pierce is the key to our proxy defense. And the defense is life itself. See you at Plymouth Rock. Ooh. And it already gives us a hint that it's interesting to see with the Roy family that they are wealthy. They are unquestionably wealthy. But they're kind of nouveau rich by a certain definition. I mean, Logan earned yep. all this. We're about to meet the bluest of blue blood families possible here. But it's an interesting contrast between the two of generational wealth, you know, massive series of inherited wealth, versus what the Roy family's instead offering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe this is the moment where... Frank starts giving them a rundown of kind of do's and don'ts for the weekend. Yeah, he does, and it's an interesting list. So to ensure that everything goes smoothly, we have prepared a few do's and don'ts for the weekend. Um, <laughs> Roman, oh, so what? We don't shit in the soup terrine? Uh Frank goes on, ignores that. Topics to see are clear of. Ravenhead, ATN, Israel, Bright Star, and Cruz's rumor mill. Hmm. Uh, things to talk about include gossip, investments, art, movies, tittle-tattle, wider cultural in- interest. Essentially, nothing of note. Nothing relevant. Keep it light. Roman, well, what if your cultural interest is hate-jerking to Instagram? Just asking for a friend. (laughs) I love whenever, like, Frank is put in a position of authority, how Roman does not miss an opportunity to undercut him every step of the way. Oh, yeah. He hates Frank. He hates Frank like he hates no one else. And he needs to express this. And one final thing. Two two drinks maximum. They're not big drinkers. That's a problem for this family. I don't not know, good. I don't think this family can pull that off. <laughs> I, I did not have high faith that they were going to be able to stick to a two-drink minimum. Um, and that, you know, bore out. I think we're done there with that series, or that, that uh, back and forth. Uh, and we got to the opening credits. Yeah, the only thing I would add is that we see 
the first of what we several moments of Shiv unable to not talk, of where oh yeah, she Logan's presenting this idea about why things can be different now compared to where they where they were in the past. The last time they tried to take over the Pierces, and basically says, ah, oh, you know, they're hemorrhaging viewers. They got serious problem with their financials, and Shiv just starts sar- sar- sarcastically pissing on the deal. Which Logan doesn't even say anything to her. He just kind of just turns to her and just stops her, cold in her tracks. This is the first of several moments of where Shiv feels a need constantly to express herself, to participate, when she'd often be better served just standing there. Yeah, because she does... um, Well, we can go on. Uh, We cut to a next scene, um, and Roman and Jerry are having a weird moment when Jerry's trying to get into the elevator and Roman tries to tell her to go first, calls her my lady. (laughs) And gives himself credit for being chivalrous. Uh, Logan follows up with Kendall and uh, asks him to stay clean during the weekend. Later we see Logan and Shib talking, and Logan says the two of them will focus on Nan Pierce. Let everybody else deal with the bottom feeders. Uh, We're piecing together here that that Nan is uh, the matriarch of the Pierce family. She's the real decision maker now. Uh, Shib mentions that she can play good cop to his misogynist cop. Logan, oh yeah, the woman thing. Um... (laughs) Ship then concludes the conversation with, well, my baby soon. Yikes. It's interesting that they all have a read that Shiv is going to resonate well with Nan, and seems to be at some mix between, to put it in Logan's terms, the woman thing, and also because Shiv, at least among this family, is the closest resembling Nan's politics. And between yep. those two, they're hoping that she could help give them an in and a connection. Absolutely. Uh, opening credits. Spencer, did you check out the um, the ticker? No, I didn't. On... I don't think I... So, yeah. it, it was no different. It, it was the same. Oh, it's, that's, a, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think the only one that we... It was on there before we just hadn't commented on it was, why are climate activists so alarmist? That's funny. I mean... Sorry, it, you caught me having a drink again. That was a... Uh, <laughs> We need a, yeah, that's funny. We need a um, signal when you want me to talk for more than 10 seconds so you can get a proper drink in. We need, we, we need to work on this communication. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, they, but they have been adding new things to the, the ticker of the, I guess, uh, screenshots of news that's in the opening credits. But I don't think they added anything this week, but we'll nah, keep, a, nah, nah. keep an eye on it. Um, okay. After the credits, they're preparing to leave. Uh, it's interesting to me, and I think I've commented on it before with you, when this family is going to travel, it's a fucking production. I oh, mean, it takes, like, staff. It, it, take, it takes staff, and I think one of the things you commented on that I didn't really kind of ponder, they move in herd. They don't, they, they don't like, say, okay, everyone meet here at this time. It's to know that everyone meet here at this time so we then can all board the chopper together to get there. The, I mean, the only exception they make to that rule is a very planned exception with Kendall where everybody else is arriving at the same time, but Kendall has instructions to arrive, like, what? A couple hours late? Yeah, yeah. Logan, a big fan of the late entrance. He's, uh, like like a lot of rich people. Oh, big yeah. fan of the late entrance. Um, uh, Logan is asking Roman how the training course is going. He says, so how's it going, the course? Oh, um, it's actually, you know, I mean, it's bullshit, but it's good. I mean, Roman cannot <laughs> get out of his own way. Don't call it bullshit. You're only doing this because you know Logan values it. He's gone out of his way to ask you how it's going. Mm-hmm. Don't say it's bullshit. But he does. Uh, Logan nonetheless says he's proud of him for getting back in there. Um, but this weekend, don't mention it. Sounds like you're back in business kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between two characters summarized in one scene. 
The family then gets on a helicopter and they go out to an island that we learn later is called Turnhaven. Family owns this island apparently, and there's a monstrous estate on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Roy family walks up to meet the Pierce family. Roy family all holding hands. This Connor is a cr- creepy scene. This is actually Connor saying cr- yeah. what we all believe. I'll let you go, but I just want to get this in because I think this could be the title for the scene. This is too fucking weird already. Pretty much what I was going to say, because God, that is a weird visual right there. Among the various families you never would want to hold hands, this one is high. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Everybody's uncomfortable. Roman is shooting all kinds of looks. Shout out to Kieran Culkin in this scene, because he's doing a lot of like physical acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen him do an awful lot of like dialogue, and what I think is a lot of improv, but here he's just physical acting, how uncomfortable he is. <laughs> uh, Frank greets Nan Pierce... St. Francis of Assisi. What is this? Do you know what this is? Uh, I mean, this is uh, one of the this is one of the saints of the Catholic Church. Uh, he's one of the patron saints of Italy. He's the uh, founder of the Franciscan orders. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is them making a historical end joke because this is how these people communicate. Well, is that? I thought that might be like a nickname she's given Frank. Oh no, St. T- Francis. Frank? Totally, totally. I fully believe that they just greet each other in that manner always. But that's the reference they're making too. Yeah. Um, Frank, are you ready for the rummage sale? You brought me animals. Oh, welcome to Turnhaven, our city on the hill. So right away with Nan, you can tell she's oil and water with Logan. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of difference between the two characters, but she's clearly his opposite and equivalent, and they've fought probably decades of wars with each other. Yep. Uh, nonetheless, Logan is doing his darn best to be magnanimous and just kind of normal. Uh, but it's weird. Uh, and another thing that's weird about this is that Nan makes no pretense that she's going to attempt to alpha him during this weekend. Yeah. And it starts right away. Starts right away. And Logan's response is interestingly muted. He's trying to appear as diplomatic and accommodating as possible, which is a different kind of face for him. I agree that that's what he's doing to start with. Um, (laughs) It changes by the end. It certainly changes, but at least here to start, He's of the view that he needs to make as few waves as possible and just help the family appear as human and likable and trustworthy as they possibly can. That's their game plan. See how that plays yeah. out. Uh, then <laughs> I think this guy's name is Mark. He says, Nan, stop laughing and let us at the canopies. <laughs> I guess that's like a funny joke for the Pierces. Oh, yeah. They and Roman, Roman gives a look like he just smelled a fresh fart. He is like, <laughs> ugh, who is this asshole? Um... She then um, Rhea follows up with Logan as they start to walk toward the estate, and she explains that Naomi Pierce has flown in for the meeting. Now, Naomi Pierce is a name we know because that is um, the person that Tabitha linked Roman up with mm-hmm. uh, two episodes ago in an, the Bore on the Floor episode in an attempt to um, for Roman to broker the deal directly with Naomi, which. We find out during the course of this episode just how foolhardy that was because there's no way that Naomi could broker a deal to sell Pierce. I mean, everything runs through Nan. And the fact that A, Roman didn't know that, or B, didn't ask the right questions to know it, uh, shows that he probably does need to be in management training programs. Yeah, the fact he also didn't vet the person that was going to be his in is even more egregious. Because as we find out, Naomi has a hell of a lot of reasons to not want to help him. In fact, to do quite the opposite of helping him with respect to this. Yeah, and that vetting process wouldn't have had to be very exhaustive. I think you literally could have done a Google search. But anyway. <laughs> Google search, picture of car wreck. Oh, okay. Maybe we ran with this. Maybe she won't like to want to deal with us. 
interesting dynamic here between Logan and Rhea because Logan's like, okay, what what's the importance of Naomi? And she goes, well, it complicates things because she's very close with Nan. And I think the thing that Rhea's not saying that's left unsaid is, and she fucking hates your family. And Logan says, why wasn't I informed? Great line from Rhea here. Uh, because that's not my fucking job. And ask your people. But the fact that Logan would even say that to her, I think indicates that they are, they're working together, um, I would say, is probably a muted way to put it, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, he, from she's trying to keep up at least the pretense that she is an independent actor here, but Logan's just cutting through the crap. It's that you're basically on my payroll now. I essentially offered a check for $24 billion and you're part of that receipt. They rejoin the group, and really interesting detail here. Rhea goes up and, and says to one of the family members, I don't think we know her name, you look, you, you need a martini. You look like you need a martini. And she hugs her, and they hug as they walk. Yeah. And it's just such a... They, they, they do a great job in the show, uh, in this scene, of showing you just how different the vibe is between the Roys and the Pierces. The Pierces are hugging, they're laughing, everything's light, and the Roys are just miserable. Right. It, it, very well said. There could not be more of a contrast between the two. Yeah. Cut to Kendall, who is flying in a little later, as you alluded to. This was Logan's spot design. Um, cut back to the inside and we see Roman attempting to translate something. It's a uh, <laughs> bit of Latin over the door. Clears to be Latin. It, uh, I don't know if my pronunciation is correct, but it's in Veritate Triumpho. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Roman, I do think this was probably Kieran Culkin doing a little improv because he just starts guessing as to what the name could be. Um, this wine is triumphant. Mm, no, no, you, no. You, your vagina trumpets? Oh, it's got to be that one, yeah. <laughs> And Jerry says, shh, trying to get him to be quiet. And some other guy comes up and says, uh, I triumph in the truth. He walks away. Roman to Jerry. Oh, right. Of course, truth. Love it. It's the best, right? Truth. He seems cool. <laughs> oh, this isn't going to go well if this is where we're no. starting. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He, he got aggressive with this guy simply because he was loudly trying to translate something that was on a door. Mm-hmm. Also kind of making a joke out of it. The guy just gives him the translation and then he goes after the guy. Like that's such a small thing. It's so Roman. Pierces, you know, I know, but the Pierces did what I'm, what I'm yeah. driving at here is the Pierces did nothing to elicit that response from him. And if he's already coming in that hot, oh. just imagine what this is going to be. Yeah. And honestly, this is probably his good moment of the episode because it only goes downhill from here. It does. Uh, Nan then pulls everybody together. She's going to give a little toast. Uh, apparently they're all drinking some cocktail named Break Bumper, uh, which she claims the recipe is from the wallet of Teddy Roosevelt's valet. Just, what is this family? <laughs> I don't know. I gotta figure out. Let, let's do a quick Google search. Is Break Bumper a real thing? I, you know, I actually don't know this. It's worth checking. It is? <laughs> Does it come from the wallet of Teddy Roosevelt's valet? Actually, no, I take it back. No, it's not. It's just from the show? Yeah. Although it looks like... Um, <laughs> Looked like the the show did give out a recipe for it, and it includes one ounce of Pappy Van Winkle. So, okay, probably, probably not going to have that one on Mangum Reads. No, no, I don't think we can afford the ounce, much less what's going to go with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So she, when she says this, that that's from the wallet of Teddy Roosevelt's valet. You could just see Logan is just disgusted with her. Yeah, again, this is an old family. They celebrate these kind of traditions and history and everything else. And Logan could not give more of a damn about that. 
that is not what Logan believes in. That's not where he thinks any base of power is. In fact, he sees that kind of thing as a rotten weakness. Agree. One guy is telling Shib about getting his second PhD. Interesting scene here because this is where Shib is not operating from the principle of do no harm this weekend. If she no. would just be quiet, she would have she would have done way better than she really ended up doing. And it's an interesting scene because Tom is playing the game correctly, if you notice. Yeah. Tom's good at He's this like, game. Tom's like, oh, you'll be a double doctor? That's really impressive. I'm sure that was hard. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, the second one is much tougher. I think he says he's an African. He's getting an African studies degree, which I, I hope that's not from UNC. <laughs> Brown. It's from Brown this time. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> Might be legit. Um, and then Shib says the thing that I would be thinking that I wouldn't say, which is, but just think, once you're done, you won't have to waste the 12 seconds it takes to look up something on Wikipedia. You Woo! just met this man. You don't know whether that joke has any hope of landing well. And she's just coming right out with it. Well, it's also socially inept, too, because the guy is leading with, yeah, I'm getting my second PhD. He's, He's proud, proud of this. He's proud. Exactly. Yep. It, it just really shows how much better at this game Tom is than her. Because Tom, as you said, is you work in the room right now. He's like, oh, that's really impressive. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> Which is the exact thing that they've been instructed to go with here is just appear human interact well, be friendly. Shiv can't fake that for like six minutes. They just got the first drink. Yeah, and he's not, she's not even hitting him in the, what I think would be the most reasonable way. Because, I, I mean, however you want to slice it, getting a PhD from Brown is not going to be easy. No, no. So the guy's doing something difficult. I think the thing to hit him with, if you were going to try to hit him, which you shouldn't have, would have been like, oh, second PhD, a lot of free time on your hands. Because um, who gets two PhDs, seriously? Which is the commentary that we can make about this family, is that this is intergenerational wealth. They are the idle rich. They don't have to do anything. They've never been expected to do anything. They have their money, and they can just worry about their hobbies. And that's what pretty much all of this family's kind of focused on. That, yep. That's a reasonable criticism. That's a reasonable commentary. This is just weird and petty. This is just like, I don't care enough to put you down in any way that involves effort. Yeah, they're really big into sort of cultural pursuits. Yeah. That sort of thing, which is very anathema to the Roy family. Great scene here when Connor Roy, inter Connor Roy, um, meets a guy named Maxim Pierce. I'm going to do a little of the dialogue here. I think it's really funny. Go on, Connor Roy. Maxim Pierce. Hi, the man who would be king. Hmm. Don Quixote of Iowa, tilting at straw poles. It's clever. Connor, it's clever. Pretty, it's clever, but he, Connor's not feeling this right now. Yep, I've got a big old tent, and everyone's welcome. Um, so are you in politics? Sort of. Brookings Institute. Ah, oh, Brookings. Yes, of course. A fine, elite establishment. Oh, I didn't take you for a fan. I thought you were on the whole abolish the Federal Reserve, fluoride is poison, pissing in jars end of things. Connor. Uh, no, I'm actually on the liberty and justice for all end of things, but hey, different strokes. So this is Connor... At least initially trying to do the right thing. This guy is... Yeah. I mean, he's it, he's it's banter, mm -hmm. but you could take it as insults. Yeah. I mean, but it, Connor is just kind of dismissing it right now. It's the pokey kind of banter. He wants to a certain degree get a rise out of Connor and see how Connor responds. And that could be perfectly friendly. That could be the beginning of a fun back and forth. It's not something Connor's going to respond well to. But, as you said, Connor, at least at first, is being a lot more diplomatic than either of the two siblings we just saw were doing. So, credit to him. He's actually yep. trying to play this game for a minute. 
Yep. Roman walks over and greets Naomi. She comments that he tried to buy the Pierce family legacy over the phone like an Uber Eats. Uh, <laughs> she asks how Roman's doing. Roman is fumbling for an answer, and Tabitha actually helps him. Mm-hmm. What does she say here? Um, what he meant to say is that he's really passionate about maintaining the integrity of the customer-facing brands. Tabitha can play this game well. She certainly can. Um, cut to Logan. He's talking to Nan. And he's refusing a drink. He <laughs> explains that Kendall is late because he's been volunteering. Oh. So volunteering, Spencer. Uh, yeah, I, that just screams authentic right there. God, I mean, you know, if he hadn't stayed that extra hour to make beds at the Ronald McDonald house, I mean, it, the whole operation would have fell apart. Yeah, this is what our brand is based on. These individual acts of volunteering that we personally engage in. How can it sustain itself without it? Right, and that story's going to check out. Um, <laughs> and asked the help, this, this person who's, who's waiting on him to have a drink with them, and she refuses. All right, all right, you just never treat yourself. Now, <sighs> I know, it's so cringy, and it's like I feel like she was just making, she just wanted Logan to see her do that. Yeah. And I got the sense from how the actress who was playing the, the, the waitress or the caterer or whatever uh, played it that, that she kind of knew that too. Mm-hmm. This was a designated game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Logan then gives a speech. I thought a good speech for Logan. And we've talked about this before. Giving a speech is not his wheelhouse. But when he does it, he clearly has reps. And he can, he has, he's got some chops. He can do it. Oh, yeah. And again, this is Logan's brand. He worked this from the ground up. He's had to be diplomatic. He's had to be accommodating. He's had to make people believe in him and like him. This is an alert. It's clearly not necessarily natural to him, but it's an effectively learned skill that he can pull out when he needs to. And I agree. This is an effective speech. It, it's not. There's not much substance to it, but it's the words you'd want to start an event like this to send it on a good note. Yeah, he starts out a little bit of, um, you know, uh, self-effacing humor. He says he's not great at speeches, like his family would tell you. Mm-hmm. But he thanks the Pierces for hosting them. He compares his family to the Romans amongst the Greeks, which I thought was it's a good reference. funny and something that would probably land really well with the Pierces because he's comparing them to the Greeks. Yeah, it's it's very historically accurate. It's very well targeted. It's a good in-joke reference to work this family. It seems like they respond well to it. They did. And then he, he bow ties the whole thing with... Your outlets have been essential to the functioning of our Grand Republic. Um, solid line by Connor here. I like this dad. Why couldn't this dad be dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is a good kind, of get, good, good, good kind of dad to see here. Yeah, uh, Rhea approaches Kendall and asks how he is. He says, fine. She says, how are you really? And what I liked about this scene and multiple others with Rhea um, is that you never really know what she knows. Because it, that by saying, how are you really, indicates to me that Reyes has some level of knowledge that that uh, you know Kendall is, is off the wagon. She's also in a, a good position for her, too, is that no one's exactly certain where, their loyalties, where her loyalties lie. That she's kind of, sort of, maybe on their team, but to what degree? And who's she, who's she ultimately going to pull the trigger for? And it, it leaves everyone in a bit of an uncertain stance about how to react to her. Yeah, and you know, it's Holly Hunter, I believe, is the actress. Yeah. Uh, she's got, I mean, check out her IMDb. It's long. <laughs> um, and I've, t- I've talked a lot about on this podcast about how I think the writing and casting are really, really good in this show. I don't know if Holly Hunter works for this character. Um, I, I never really get one over with her. I, I, you know, I just feel like it's not the best casting, but the writing is good. It, it, because you don't know what she knows and she needles and needles 
and kind of keeps this like you know wizard behind the curtain veneer to a lot of the other characters right she's being a more politically active version of jerry and that's an interesting thing to play out is she a recurring character going forward or is this kind of our last foray with her We'll have to see, but she's already been, what, now on two episodes? Yeah, that's solid compared to some of the bit characters we've seen. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, even if she was only in one episode, I think you we would probably be remiss if we don't comment on her, because she's a big get for the show. Yeah, no question. Um, Logan pulls everyone into a room and lays into ship for making fun of the guy with the PhD. Oh, he lays into everybody. He is not happy with their performance so far. What the fuck did you say to Mark? Making cracks about his PhD. Well, it was a joke. He laughed. Yeah, it seemed he did not enjoy that. Thanks, Frank. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, great like point here that Logan makes through his anger. He says, why are you even bothering him with him? Yeah. He's a yes. He's solid. Why are you talking to this guy? And that is a great point. Again, but Shiv just does not have a clear plan that she's going about here. Where Logan told her, you're working now. That's what I need you to do. That's your objective. Anything else you can do is problematic, particularly with somebody that's a guaranteed in. Yeah, goes on. Have we lost sight of Maxim? Who's on Maxim? Connor, me. And I just have to say that if he contradicts any more planks in my political philosophy, I'm going to piss in his brake bumper. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Logan says, hey, hey, he's leaning no sail. Cut the horse, Cut the horse shit. Know your role. So Logan is no, not playing around here. Oh, yeah. Um, this is really, much this is really feeling. Yeah. Logan has freaking, you know, dossiers on each of these people. He has done the legwork going in. And only that apparently his family hasn't. Yeah, I mean, it, I couldn't, I mean, as I was watching this, I couldn't shake the idea that Rome, uh, like Logan in another life would be a hell of a, like a whip. Oh, in a yeah. Congressional body. Because oh. he just know he knows everybody. He knows who should be on who. Who's a yes, who's a no, and he's just going around doing the math. I was about to say he'd be a more vulgar version of LBJ, but that's not actually true, is it? So, yeah, I think he'd be very successful in terms of that role. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd say, yeah, Logan goes on to say, look, I need you, Nate Shiv, I need you on Nan. Uh, Romulus, when you laugh, please do it at the same volume as everyone else. We didn't get you from a hyena farm. <laughs> okay, we're getting petties. We're going down this list of things you guys need to revise. <laughs> Uh, he just continues, basically, who's on Peter, and I think that Kendall says he would, he'd be on Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else? Naomi, I think, comes. Oh, Naomi, who's on Naomi? Who who says that they're on Naomi? I don't actually remember. Was it what, is that Kendall? I think it was Kendall said he was he was taking her too, which makes yeah, sense given what we see later. Absolutely, yeah, I think he did. But anyway, they continue. Um, to just sort of go around and, and try to figure out what's going on, who is on who, who's the yes vote, who's the no vote. At the end, Logan tells Marsha she's doing a good job so far. Marsha, coming in hot. I'm very excited to be getting top marks along with your other pupils. This is it. So, question for you. Mm-hmm. You are, you love Marsha. She's your girlfriend. Yeah, we've talked about this. Do, I, I think she has a lot of reasons to be frustrated with Logan at times. Yeah. But I didn't quite know why she was so angry at him right away in this episode. I didn't know what he had done to elicit that from her. I mean, we haven't... And maybe it's something off screen, but I, I didn't see it. I think it's something that's off screen and the fact that we haven't seen her for a while. It's going back mm-hmm. to, like, season one. She was in every damn episode. She was always at Logan's side. We haven't really seen her for, like, three episodes now. Pretty much the last time we really got spent a little bit of time with her was him casually dismissing her when Shiv was in the room, which she clearly didn't appreciate at the time. And I thought it might have been some play acting between the two, but based on what we're seeing here, no. He's kind of cut her out of things, at least for a while, as he's trying to bring Shiv in. 
And she clearly resents that. That's not the role she's played for a long time. And diplomat that she is, skilled at these endeavors that she is, she's at the end of her rope with him in some ways and feels the need to express it. And it goes downhill over the course of this episode in a way I wouldn't have expected from her. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when I watched this the first time, I was I was startled by how aggressive she was with Logan. I always felt like she would push back on him, but I didn't know that she would do it as directly as she does this episode, and as publicly. Yeah, that she does it around, uh, just around him or around people that don't matter. The little people, the people that are on Logan's payroll. Around people outside of the family, around people that are like this, direct potential threats or potentials for the family. That's very out of character for her, and it Shows that she and Logan need to have a bit of a heart-to-heart that they've clearly not had for a while. Yeah. Um, we cut to preparations for dinner, and Nan comes in with the roast, and everyone claps. Spencer, I think this is like a rich person thing, right? This is a very rich person thing. This is, I want to create Norman Rockwell scenes as I'm putting forward the, like, the idea that I made this for the family. I'm providing for everybody. Let's celebrate. Well, I, I can, yeah, and I can compare it to, I think, the Thanksgiving scene. Where Logan, who was still recovering from his stroke, I guess just put the first cut to the side of the turkey and everybody cheered. Try, it's like, try to. have you ever been to a dinner party where someone brings out the roast and everybody claps? No, I, I can say with full honesty, I've never been to any kind of dinner party that these people would ever attend. So maybe that's a part of it. <laughs> but most of my Thanksgiving celebrations is like, you know, everybody cut your own little bit of food or everyone make your own plate and let's sit down and eat. It's no, it's none of this. No level of this kind of pageantry that they view as necessary and normal. Yeah, it's weird. Um, then Nan <laughs> says, in lieu of a prayer, they have gone so unitarian, unitarian that they have given up on poor mm-hmm. Jesus. And apparently, their family tradition is to quote Shakespeare before <laughs> dinner. This is what I imagine Fox News thinks that liberal families do over Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is what they imagine our, our, our traditions are. Jesus Christ. It's so douchey. It's oh, hard yeah. to get through. Uh, but Naomi plays ball, and she gives some speech. I Googled it. It's from Richard II. Mm-hmm. And everybody cheers, and Nan seems very happy. Yeah. And it gives us a bit of a side to Naomi. Of where we, this is, we haven't really seen much of her other than her just casually brushing off Roman. But whatever else we'll think about over the course of the episode, she is a well-read member of this family, as they all are. There is a baseline to be a Pierce, and that is knowing your Shakespeare cold. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kendall's intrigued. He introduces himself to Naomi. She says she volunteers at a drug addiction facility, rehab place, I guess, uh, where she continues her own recovery. Kendall says, oh, oh, I'm in recovery too. She says, I know. He says, whoa, I guess my spotless reputation precedes me. And she says, no, I just know. Which I, I don't believe that. I think she just heard the rumors about Kendall. Yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation of where Kendall starts this conversation, not in the same place he ends. Of where he starts it just trying to be you know, almost like a surfer dude. It's like, oh man, that was really impressive. You're like an actress or a poetess or something. He's even putting on douchey Kindle accent in a way we've not heard in a while. And yeah, He says the word poetess. He poetess, he does. But the moment she responds in that way, he immediately starts to transition back to the Kindle we've seen this season. Of where he just consciously, unlike the rest of the family, reads the signs, realizes that avenue's not working, adjusts immediately. And, and recognizes that he could just be himself with her. Yeah, and that would work better. He doesn't need to yep. put on anything. She's basically the mirror image of you. Same way that Nan is the mirror image of your dad, she is mirror image you. So that back and forth went pretty well, I think, mm-hmm. between Naomi and Kendall. Oh, yeah. And that's about the last one that goes well for the rest of the entire dinner. Yeah, we're going to see about 20 minutes of shit happen from here, and it is glorious to observe. <clears throat> 
Very funny. So we cut to a guy who's explaining that he likes to have three novels and a memoir going at once. <clears throat> it's like natural selection. Oh. Yeah. Um, the person asks Kindle if he's a, or Roman if he's a big reader. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Can you recommend anything that Roman, uh, Oprah isn't pushing? Any new fiction? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. I can. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but when he's fumbling... Jerry looks up and just gets tense because oh, yeah. she knows what's coming because he didn't, she knows he hasn't read shit. And the fact that he didn't just say no, now he's gone down this avenue where there's really no coming back. He says that he rather enjoyed the electric circus. <laughs> okay. 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 So you're in this position of Roman. You've not read anything voluntarily, probably in your entire life. Do you play this out differently than he did in terms of attempting to make up a book and make up an author in this age of Google? No. You go the same route or you go a different route? No, I don't make it up. No, God, that's the okay, worst thing good. you can do. I think what you do is you you create another reason why you've been so busy. So I would probably go back to the volunteering well. I mean, and I'd honestly, you know, his dad's disagreed with it, but I think this would be a good time to go into the management training thing and just shift the conversation to, you know, actually, you know, I've recently gone to management training so I can work my way up in the company. And I think this is a kind of family that would actually, that would work for them. They have a kind of vague romantic view of the blue collar experience and that might sell well with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, I wouldn't do that because Logan directly told you not to. I think you could frame it, though. You could say, you know what? Actually, I've been doing a lot of traveling out to our parks. Sure. And work, you know, really trying to learn that arm of the business. So I've been kind of busy. I haven't really read anything recently. But can you recommend something for me? To oh, read? yeah. Get them talking. Get them working with the go. books. Very clever. That'd be a good way to do this. You also could just, you know, say, ah, you know, I'm actually more into kind of the classics and rereading things like before. Because clearly he can think of a book. He could make up some book, right? Roman's capable of thinking of any book right now. Instead of Apparently what he not. goes with. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's come on, Sarah Palin. Just say a newspaper. Yeah. You have Something. to have read one eventually. At some point in your life. It is kind of the same thing, right? Because, I mean, I think when we all watched that, we were like, how can she not say one name of a paper? And, like, you're watching this with Roman, and you're like, you really? Honestly, you can't, you can't just say, like, Moby Dick. Right. Just, Back to the classics. Just, you know, pick a movie you've seen recently. It was probably adapted from a book. You can make this work. Do you know what the Electric Circus is? You know, I've not heard of it before. How about you tell me about it? <laughs> Thanks. Set me up. I just Googled it. Electric Circus was a Canadian live dance music television program that aired on Much Music and City TV from September 16th, 1988 to December 12th, 2003. And I there you go. Do we think he was act, that was actually just like the first thing that popped in his head was that band? No, no, it's a tel- no, it's a television program, and I know television I think part, just sorry. Shit up. Um, and then he well, he he explains what the Electric Circus is about. It's about a young man making his way through the world, except in two different time periods, oh. switches back and forth between the circus part is a you know met- metaphor for shib for what, and I when oh, she God. says for what. Logan glares at her, and he's looked at. He's fired some looks at her before. This to me seems like he's the most frustrated with her that he's ever been because she is just completely selling out Roman. He's out on a limb. She should be helping him. She's doing the exact opposite of what Logan wants her to do. Like in her position, there's any way she could have thrown him a lifeline here. The most effective ones she could have done is said, "Oh, that new transcript that 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 we just got in, just like give him something that you could work with there to, to explain why they're not finding it on Google. Just like." Something at all that she could help him out with here. But no, she wants to 
help frame the embarrassment of it. And God, that's anything but helpful. She absolutely, that's such a good point, Spencer. She absolutely could have said, oh, actually, you know the reason you're not finding it is one of our writers for our production company just gave Roman a manuscript. Yeah. That I, Boom. Done. Yeah, we just we just found it. And every now and then we like to hear what these new writers are thinking. Because, you know, as Roman previously worked in the um, the our media side of things. He worked in, in movies and production. And he still wanted to find new ideas to help him out with that. That would have been perfect. Easily could yeah. have sold it on that. But no. Her goal is her own personal aggrandizement. Or not. I don't even know if she has a goal here. She just simply is being responsive to events. And her usual response is to embarrass Roman. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you, then, then she could have even, if she wanted to do that, she still could have gotten the ribbing in by saying, you know, and he was very successful at the production company. Have you heard of the big turkey? And that could have been a fun laugh <laughs> and everyone comments on that. And Roman hates you a little bit more and that would have been fine. But this of just letting him talk. No, don't let Roman talk. We've already confirmed this in prior episodes. Get Roman to say the pate thing that you've trained him to say, and then let Roman shut up for the rest of the evening. Yep. Uh, then to Connor, who is now, he's, uh, he's gone the other side, Spencer. We've given him credit. He's lost his temper. Uh, he's talking to Max, Maxer? What, what the hell is that guy's name? Uh, Maxian or Maximilian or something like that? Some, Maxim, yeah. Maxim, Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, well, that's just the sort of ex-person, expert analysis I'd expect from a deep state wonk with both hips firmly glued to the Soros tits. <sighs> We've gone deep. I mean, it's interesting when we see this conversation jump around because clearly it's already gone downhill by this yeah. point, but now we're just seeing it get worse. And the guy did the thing that I felt like everyone should have done uh, to Donald Trump in the first Republican debate in 2015. He says, oh, well, you can't change Washington without knowing Washington. I mean, can you name me one member of the House Commerce Committee? Uh, which, of course, Roman. I mean, Roman has a better chance of coming up with a fucking novel than Connor does this name. Yeah. Uh, but he finds one. Oh, yeah, I think I know one. Uh, Represent- Representative Ferdinand D., who gives a shit from the great state of no one fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, things are so off the rails. It's fun. Yeah, and Logan is watching this all spiral, spiral around him. Not good. Then they cut back to the main group, and Shib is not so subtly backtracking from her joke about the phd i think this guy's name is maybe mark and she says hey you know i, I, I was just joking i'm sorry about that um raya then kind of brings everything to a halt by bringing up the fact that atn sucks <laughs> yeah let's discuss the white nationalist elephant in the room is a wonderful way to put that yeah but you know what i like this and i think this was more strategic than maybe a casual watcher would realize mm-hmm. i think that raya understands that until that is addressed the mm-hmm. philosophical differences between the family and the political differences between the family, that nothing is going to happen. So this is her way of saying, all right, let's stop watching the Roy spin out of control mm-hmm. and let's try to actually move this forward. It also is successful, yeah, as you said, it's very successful too in just changing the entire focus of the conversation that, as you said, is spinning out of control. It's just like, okay, let's get, let's focus in on something that we all already have preset opinions on. It's a very fixed in stone kind of issue. That, as you said, we need to address but also avoids any of these children continuing to mess up. Yeah. Um, Logan says, hey, look, I'm not operationally involved. I kind of let my people do their thing. But I mean, if you want to talk ATN, you know, Tom's the barbarian. <laughs> and Tom is ready to be helpful. Tom, uh, hi, uh, hello, I'm the right-wing ogre at your service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, you are just the trained whipping boy, aren't you? Yeah, and uh, I guess then um, Tom says, well, we try to see things from all sides. And I think somebody says from the left, 
it may have been, I, don't, I'm not, I can't remember. It's somebody from the Roy side of the family says from the left. And I think Shiv tries to get out in front of that and say, oh, well, they're not really left. They just they just report the truth. Like, such a suck up. It's such a suck up. And it's also such a cut to your own brand, too. Which both yep. Nan and Ken both jump on her for this real quick. Uh, and so does Logan. Logan yeah. says, Shib, like all recent converts, is a zealot. Yeah, that's a cut, <laughs> cutting way to put it. And um, Go ahead. But I, I love Nan's response, too, is that she's hearing this so obvious attempt at flattery of sucking up. And she just goes, well, you know, all of our people are hacks, too. It's like, <laughs> and Shib has no idea to respond to that. Cause not at all what she expected from this woman. Then they get into a little bit of invisible hand of the market. Um, Nan says, uh, um, money is a social construct, whereas virtue, integrity, these things actually exist. Uh, hell of a comeback here from Tom. I was shocked that he was oh, willing yeah. to go this direct at Nan. Says, well, just, well, just this morning I went to the store and I bought a pound of ham. And I paid for it by, you know, telling them I was really worried about the environment. <laughs> Which is, you know, a really, that's really a good response by Tom. And I think it's well fitting for the role that he's accepted they're putting him in here is that he's meant to be a bit confrontational. He's meant to be the embodiment of ATN News. It wouldn't make sense if he just purely licked her boot here. Yep. Um, but yeah, he is, uh, Tom is getting beat up, but he is fighting back. Yeah. Uh, he's doing a little bit of like, yeah, yeah, call me the asshole if you want to. But every once in a while, he, he, punches back uh we could go through the whole thing but it really is just a bunch of back and forth with tom and the family and shiv also jumping on tom too importantly yeah yeah she did she piled on uh which again i love how they shot the scene because they keep cutting to logan and he is just watching shiv i don't even know if she's picking up on the looks he's giving her but he clearly with his eyes is trying to say shut the fuck up yeah um it, it just keeps on going back and forth until they suddenly raise the very important issue that apparently the Roy's had not at any point pondered. Of where a member of the family, I think, who was it? Uh, I don't remember what the Pierce family it is, but asks, oh, so Tom, you're in charge of news at ATN, right? Does that mean you'd be in charge of us once we sell? Yes. Uh, and I would say that I think Logan has pondered that and his answer is no, <laughs> but he doesn't want to say it right there. So he, you know, he very clearly just kind of evades the question says, well, they haven't really figured it out. Um, which Tom, not an idiot, realizes, well, that's not a good sign for me. Yeah. And I think even, even Rhea says that, right? Yeah. Like, Ooh, that's not a good sign, Tom. And yeah, Tom needs to have read this for a while that you, if, if we're already framing you as the guy in the hair shirt, you are the easy sacrifice we can make to them to show that we're bringing you in on equal footing. And that's not something you really recover from, Tom. Yeah. So then Tom and Shib go outside to have a conversation mm -hmm. <laughs> and Shib is spiraling. Oh yeah. She's somehow blaming Logan for her poor performance when Logan hasn't really said much of anything. Um, and Tom makes the point, hey, it would be nice if you stopped beating up on me. Which we don't see him push back on Shib all that often. But it was interesting because you would think Shib would internalize that and say, okay, let me let me question what I'm doing here. But she just doubles down. And she's like, I'm not. Like, it's not. She doesn't come to that uh, conversation with any sort of empathy for Tom. No, she's so self-absorbed in this moment. That's not even a thought that could occur to her. She just so easily brushes it aside like, sometimes you say stupid things and just keeps yeah. on going with her self-absorption of just like, you know, it's not, you get everything you want and you spiral out of control and you can't control this. And despite making that really mean comment right there about just, I have, 
no thought for you right now other than to just insult you once again. Tom still tries to support her right here. Of where she's like, you know, all I want to do is at the table, at the table, and everywhere else. And Tom says something along the lines of, you are at the table. This is your moment. This is your time. You can do this. Which is, again, very supportive of a person that's brutalizing on you right now. But it helps Shiv rally for a second. At least we think. Uh, All right. We cut back to the dinner party. Oh, also, one one last comment. Uh, The the Mondale dog finally got its moment in the sun of where apparently that actually sells, helps sell in this family. Of where they said, oh, you know, the dog, when Shiv and Tom leave the room, uh, they said, oh, you know, our dog's very ill, arthritis, hips, you know, we, we, we gotta deal with this. And the family actually takes the time to say, oh, they have a dog and his name is Mondale. Oh, that's helpful, right? That's hopeful. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, Shiv named the dog. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, cut back to the, the party and in comes Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Um, she's explaining midway through the conversation she's explaining well if they can't have a baby in six months I'll just offer them my womb Uh, and then they said well what about you and somebody some unnamed Pierce person says well what about you and and Rutman are you guys gonna oh us that would require us having sex whoa hey now I'm sorry I didn't mean to pry oh yes you did no 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 no. it's it's totally fine that's just like that's like not our thing we're kind of like eunuch besties Roman, well, I wouldn't say that. It works for us. It's a joke, obviously. She's kidding. We're actually quite relentless in that regard. Just fuck city. Bingo, bingo, bingo. <laughs> Demoralized Roman here. Um, a couple times this episode, this comes out. I think Roman clearly has massive issues with sexuality that he needs to probably talk to at least one professional about. Mm-hmm. I do not think that Tabitha is the best person to help him work through this because her, she just... She just insults him. Yeah. And uh, as we've seen, that could be a certain way of working him, but it needs to be in a certain set format and location and time. And here, right now, in front of others, not that. Not that at all. No. Kendo comes back to the table and Naomi asks if he's feeling refreshed. (laughs) She knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, Nan is then asking Logan and Marsha about their relationship. Uh, Marsha in a foul fucking move. A drunk um, mood, too. Yeah, and Logan gives some canned story about them staying up all night the first time they met, and Marsha telling him his whole life story. Marsha says, if I had a whole year, I couldn't tell you my whole life. Um, Nan, picking up on what's going on here, gamely asks Marsha if she wants another glass of <laughs> yeah, wine. let's work this some more. Um, and that's a move, by the way, my wife would do. That, that right there. Just seeing like, okay, all right. Yep, she needs another drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how we're gonna get what we want in this situation. Yeah. Uh, Marcia then accepts another glass of wine, even though Logan openly tries to reject it on her behalf. Yeah, and she even like insults like he's what, what does he say? Some of the lines of his cellar is all new world, and that doesn't suit me. Uh, it's just she she's very drunk right now, and that's informing a little bit of what's happening. But also, as we saw in the prior scene, she just wants Logan to know that she does not feel appreciated or understood right now, and wants other people to know it as well. Yeah, and I think that this is a misstep for Marsha because if she does actually want to affect Logan's behavior, I'm not sure getting drunk in front of Nan Pierce and being curmudgeonly, if not openly insulting, is the right way to fucking do it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. This, this is a man who holds grudges, and this is one he'll hold a grudge over. Nan then brings up the potential acquisition of Waystar by uh, Sandy, Sandy and Stewie. Logan dismisses it, uh, says he never really thought it was real. And I'm not sure that's the right play here. 
because um, Nan lets it go, but I, I think that that the, the way that he minimalized it to Nan mm-hmm. and didn't want to go into it. If I was Nan, I would have taken that as, oh, Logan is really scared about this. Yeah, it's interesting. Otherwise, he'd have offered a detail. Logan's not working his usual script that he's best at right now. He's good with the set speeches. These kind of interactions are not necessarily his preference. And he hasn't really found his footing. It's really not till the end of when they just finally drop all pretenses that we see Logan at his strong kind of moments. For right now, he's really awkward. Not helped by the fact that his family's just falling apart around him. Yes. (laughs) Very much so falling apart around him. Um, Nan, so after the discussion of the... um, the acquisition, Nan says, okay, I have to ask, the internal differences, are they being smoothed over? Uh, Logan says, yes, of course. And Nan says, okay, well, who, who, who's going to be your successor? Who are you handing the keys over to? Okay, and this is Nan very purposely hitting what she knows are going to be weak areas. She wants to set this family off. She wants the drama to increase. She wants the real to be revealed beyond, behind the facade. And God, is this a live wire issue? It is, and she knows that. But I do think that and we, this comes up later, she's not willing, at least right now, to sign off on the sale unless she doesn't know the successors. She, that's very no, important to her. It, it is also very true. It is also a key issue that they want resolved now so they can be comfortable going forward. She says, um, uh, well, you know, uh, Kendall says that's very forward, and she says, well, you're not very fun. Um, little does she know, Kendall's about to hijack a helicopter later. That man is a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Logan says Jerry is on the paperwork, but she'd be the first to tell you she couldn't do the job. Great line from Jerry here. Well, maybe the second. <laughs> Which is a, it's, it's both a great line for us, and it's also a good line for the room, because everyone laughs yep. at it. It's a funny comment. Jerry, all the time, is an MVP candidate in these, these sort of situations. Yeah. She handles herself really, really well. Because she should get the job. Yeah, I agree. She could have my vote. Um, Logan says there's a name, but they're not ready to divulge it. And Nan says, well, why don't you just whisper it to me? Logan now... <laughs> irritated you know i'm starting to think i'm not wanted and then the car crash the record scratch the stopping moment of the episode seminal moment of the episode if not this season ship loses her cool and says oh for fuck's sake dad just tell him it's gonna be me among the worst possible could she have done anything worse here i mean is there no. anything she could have said or done that was worse than this? No. I mean, I think we said when we were watching episode live, her just vomiting on the dinner table would have been significantly better than this. Yes. Yes, she could have um, uh, to steal a line from Roman that you know is coming because I spoiled it for you. Uh, she could have farted in her own shit. Um <laughs> And it'd be better than what this... This was absolutely the worst thing she could have done. She seems to know it almost immediately. A very awkward awkward scene ensues. It's clear that Roman Kindle uh, did not know about this. Mm -hmm. And that Logan did not want Shib to divulge it. Uh, Peter Pierce jumps in and says, Maybe the dinner was a little premature. Maybe you still guys have some things to iron out. Kindle, always loyal soldier, jumps in and tries to smooth things over. Concludes it with, as usual, we're good. Marsha, is that right? Logan, will you stop? Now it's, yeah. we've reached an 11. He just screamed at Marsha to shut up. It's clear that everything is sort of fractured in this conversation. Gets quiet. Nan, done her damage here. Yeah. She, she got the <laughs> so moment she all wanted. All I need to see. All I need to see. Prompts Mark to take them out for a little stargazing. Good host that she is. It's like, oh, what an unfortunate drama that has occurred due to no involvement of me at all. Yeah, let, nothing to do with this. Let me smooth things over by inviting everybody outside with their drinks. 
Yes, absolutely. Cut to Shib going into their room, bedroom with Tom. And Tom has a spectacular line here. I nominate this for Roman line of the episode. Oh, yeah. Jeepers fucking creepers. What a shit pinata. That was like the most Roy thing I've ever seen. It's like a good <laughs> quart of Roy checked it into my eyeballs. Greatest line of the episode. That, that, that line just summarizes everything that's happening in this episode. Jeepers fucking creepers. What a shit pinata. Good God, yes. Could never have put it better than that. Uh, Tom then asked Shib to explain the chess move uh, as she's just frantically searching for booze. Um, Shib admits that she really didn't have a strategy. Yeah, we know that. Mumbles something about Logan, need, Logan needing to shit or get off the pot. I mean, it, it's interesting that she takes this hard line with Logan. I mean, he, I don't, we don't know quite how much time has passed, but it couldn't have been more than six months since he told her she was the person, right? Yeah, and he'd originally proposed to her like a three-year plan before she'd even be publicly announced. Because let's remember, she has zero fucking experience in this business. Yeah, she doesn't even officially work for the company yet. Yeah. Um, Shib, uh, Shibden says, well, Logan doesn't want to be pushed. And there may be repercussions, and she worries that she's, as she puts it, fucked it. Yeah, and that's a fair worry right now, Shiv. I mean, you could not have done anything worse in terms of getting Logan on your side on this issue. Uh, particularly as we see going forward that, no, you've just made this a thing. This is now a direct, you've been, tr you, you, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when it gets there, but you've essentially taken a stance that Logan will never compromise on and made it public. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did jump the gun a little bit. There's a, a scene outside that I think is really good. It's between Kendall and Naomi. Um, Kendall comes up having fun. Oh, sure. I am having fun. Me too. You too? Naomi, watching you people melt down is the most deeply satisfying activity on planet Earth. I, thank you, Naomi. I agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. Sure, you got it. We, uh, we, we aim to please. Naomi, no, I feel quite redundant. I mean, I came here to fuck any deal, but it seems you all have just fucked it yourself. So, Kendall, so? Are you going to ask me? Ask you what? Beat, beat, beat. <laughs> Would you like to do some illegal drugs with me? Yes, I would. <laughs> Good. All pretenses are lost. Now, now we're on the same page. Let's go have some fun. Kit, Kendall is great. He just looks at her. You gonna You gonna ask me? Yeah. Ask you. She's just sheepish. Ask you what? And he's like, "Come on." And so they go off to do some illegal drugs. Yeah, and. It's good to see that as shit as everything has gotten, as much as the house is almost certainly metaphorically on fire. Kendall is still trying to save this in some ways, as we see play out here in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so we cut back to what's the next scene here? Back inside. Uh, or no, we go back to, to Kendall and Naomi, and they are doing drugs. It looks like they have a little coke. Naomi takes a line, and Kendall is housing some vodka. A hilarious conversation to me ensues about how they are both doing much better. Oh, yeah. This is. So, as they're. This is the most drug person thing ever, dude. This is like great fucking writing it's spot on because they're as they're doing lines and drinking they're like you know what we've done a real good job yeah. we really turned it around yeah i used to be a maniac i used to be far worse than this this is an example of control right now yeah naomi explains there's levels you know and kendall yeah yeah I, I, i'm coming through I'm, I'm getting it together naomi yeah me too i i know how it sounds but it's true and then they just pause look at each other they can't do anything but laugh at how absurd their conversation yeah. is uh back inside oh god uh, Tabitha and Roman are talking. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you take the lead no, here in just a no, second. No, you're not. No, you're not. We're doing this <laughs> together, man. <laughs> Such a fun weekend you brought me on. Tabitha says. Uh, she indicates that you know if if Roman's gonna continue to be weird and neurotic. Uh, she's got a meeting on Monday. I don't know what her meeting is about. I didn't catch that she has a profession. Maybe she does. Um, and Roman, uh, if if Roman's going to continue to be weird, she could just stay with Naomi. Um, Roman says, let's fuck. Jumps on her, squeezes her a little too tight. Uh, she really makes things awkward. She says she's not uninterested in the sex, but not quite in the you know way he was proposing it. And he asked her, a little foreshadowing here, if maybe they could make it wrong. I love how even Tabitha phrases it. It's a, with these, you know, trying to start sexy times, uh, she, <laughs> th- th- that's his words, I believe, uh, was to was to respond with, I'm not, uh, I'm not uninterested in solving you. <laughs> Let's make this as clinical as possible. Yeah, it's, she's just not good for him. But, but uh, every conversation they have, she seems to be um, condescending to him and the issues he's going through. But as you said, the klaxon comment of this scene is, can we, can we make it kind of like wrong? Whew. Cut to fucked up Kendi, Kendall and Naomi, and they run down to the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, run. So take that. Take that, Nan Pierce, uh, saying Kendall's not fun. Uh-huh. This is a fun man right here, as they jump in the helicopter and start just flipping switches. I gotta tell you, man, I'd like to get fucked up with Kendall. He is a good time, because he jumps in this helicopter, and he turns the damn helicopter on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Tabitha freaks out. Pretty funny scene. She starts screaming, abort, abort. <laughs> he turns the helicopter off. I mean, at this point, what we know about drunk or high Kendall is that he will offer you conversations about wolves, turning on helicopters, and family therapy. I'm down. That's a fun weekend right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kendall seems like a good hang. Um, they get quiet. It gets a little serious. And Naomi says, you're just a little nothing, aren't you? Mm. Um Kendall says, yeah, I think he actually believes that. And they start kissing. These two are... I, do you agree with me that these guys are mere opposites of each other? They've gone different life paths, but they're forming the same kind of role in this family. And they're resp- in their respective families. Yep. We, we cut to the hottest sex scene in the history of television. Oh, uh, yeah, just beyond compare. Uh, with some choice lines that will just stay with me for much longer than I'd ever want them to. How do you want to do this, Spencer? Because I, I propose I don't want to go back and forth with you on a sex scene. No, that's a, we're not a little much. No. Nope. Um, so who's going to take it? If you want me to do this, man, I'll do this. You just need to help me just start where the starter line is. I'm going through the script right here. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so um, they start with Roman is on top of Tab. They're weirdly like it's catty corner to the bed. They're not even laying yeah, down it's, correctly. It's very weird. And she just reaches over and says, I'm just going to put the light on. Mm-hmm. And Roman says, oh, oh, I wish you didn't do that. Yeah. Because. You, uh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. That's, I know. I'm just, I'm a person who needs like, and she's trying to turn on the lights. And he responds with, Tabs, you're meant to be dead. <laughs> do I need to say much? I mean, there's some choice lines from here, but I feel oh, like. I we... took a drink at the wrong time. God damn, that's funny. <laughs> Tabs, you were meant to be dead. What is so great about it, too, is that she keeps on going, and then it eventually processes to her what the fuck he said. Yeah, it doesn't hit at first. It doesn't hit. But she's trying to turn on the lights, and he's like, no, no, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. You could just keep your eyes closed, and she's like, yeah, yeah, but you shouldn't be turned on because dead women aren't wet. 
And he's, he's still trying to make this work. Because <laughs> he's like, um, okay, you're kind of ruining the realism for me. It's like, oh my Christ, what kind of role play are they in? Um, you want it to seem like I'm dead and you're raping me? That is a funny fucking line from Tab. Cuts right to it. And it's interesting that Roman, here's how I think this played out. We didn't see it. I think Roman just said, okay, we need to turn the lights on. Uh, and you need to just lay there and not move. Yeah, just don't interact, don't respond, you're just a thing. And sure, I mean, and she's s- willing to work this for a minute. She just doesn't get where he's coming from, and when she does, they're done. They've stopped. We're over. Well, it's not It's not going to work unless she knows what weird shit he's spinning out in his head. Yeah, but he can't he talk claims, to her about he that. Seems to, he, well, he, he could, um, but that's he tried to shoot the middle here, and that's why it didn't work. No. Well, I mean, that and also he's trying to roleplay it. Her being a dead woman, it may not work anyway. But if it had any chance, it needed to be a collaborative effort. Now, as he said, they, it needs to be some way wrong. It needs to be some anything but normal. It is where it's it's just it's just gotta be it's gotta be a little less like sex, yay. <laughs> and her response there is lovely. It says, "Um, yeah, I think maybe the morgue is closing for the night." <laughs> <sighs> oh, tabs, you were meant to be dead. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, and it just it. Just spirals. It's like he's just trying again, trying to explain himself to a certain degree. He's trying to have the conversation they need to have because previously they've just viewed his lack of interest in sex as just an object of mockery, at least coming from her. He's actually trying to finally open up to her about what his kink is and how he works. In terms of explaining, it's just like if we politely agree on the wrong thing, it's no longer wrong. I mean, that's just like basic boner arithmetic. And, uh, and she says, thank you for that lesson, Professor Can't Fuck. See, this is a good thing. This is, again, it's never going to work if she's going to make fun of him for this. Yeah, th- this is honest. This is something he needs to be able to work through and he needs somebody who's willing to work through it with him. But she can only come from this from a very Roman place of just mocking it. Something that's weird and she can't understand right away, mock it. And mm-hmm. instead of working with him through this, she retreats into the bathroom with the comment, if you hear my electric toothbrush for a little too long, it's because I'm masturbating. And that's that. Whoa. She, he, yep. Roman kind of walks out of the room. Yep. And then we cut back to Kendall and Naomi. And Naomi is explaining that when she had her largest crack up. After her mom died. Waystar media outlets wouldn't stop printing the story until, as she puts it, she put the cherry on top when she wrapped her audio around a highway divider. And they apparently published pictures of her bloodied and broken on their front page. Yeah, so you know, fuck you, fuck your people, and fuck your peace pipe. Kendall, you know what the funny thing is, though? She cuts in that my wrist will never fully heal, or there's photos of me caked in blood with my femur poking out. Oh, God. Kendall does, does deal with this pretty well, though. He says, we all have something. And I would just say, don't block your own escape. Just imagine getting out from under all of this. You can take the money. You can just get the fuck out. She says, then what? He says, then you're free. And is he talking to himself a bit here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, they, this is why they get along so well. Yeah. They totally see each other. Um, they're, I mean, they play the same role in the family for sure. Yeah, and this is a very effective sell. She just wants to be out of the limelight. She wants to be done of all this, all of the drama, whatever else. She just wants to escape. And him framing this, here's your lifeline to do that. Here's your lifeline to do whatever you want away from whatever you want forever. That's a good sell. And it works hard on her. It does. Um, We cut back to Roman, who walks out in the hallway. Was that a guinea pig that he saw in the hallway? I didn't know. It was a little furry creature that just wandered by. 
It looked like a guinea pig. Mm. Um, I couldn't imagine it's a rat, right? I, I would hope not in this place. And Roman shows up at Jerry's room. <laughs> and we, we, we are continuing. Yep. Um, and, I mean, we can go through it, but ultimately what happens is Roman comes in. She's a little confused as to why he's there, a little annoyed. I think she was probably ready for bed. And then he kind of drops in and says, well, unless you want to schedule one of our special conference calls for, say, right now. And she says, oh, this is why you're here. And she starts to berate him for how inappropriate it is. It- for him to have come to her room for this. I think as the audience, we're meant to think she really is frustrated with him and like finds this revolting until eventually it turns on a dime and you notice, no, this is, she's playing the game. Yeah. And she tells him to get in the bathroom and jerk off. It's a seamless transition. Cause I like you. I was like the first moment, to, no, that she's just legitimately pissed now. Oh, wait. Oh, yep. they're already playing. Gotcha. <laughs> Even like Roman doesn't know right away either because he has this moment where he says, okay, I'm very sorry, Jerry, how are you? She says, no, you don't get to speak. You've always been a disappointment. That's the moment of where I'm suddenly like, oh no, they're in role right now. And Roman's just now getting it and that's just awesome for him. Because he said, it only works if it comes across as real and Jerry can sell real. Yeah, some good lines here. You're a sick fucking animal. <laughs> sick fucking animal. Don't look at me. Get in that bathroom now. <laughs> And yeah, this is an interesting dynamic to their relationship that now become apparently a regular thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you are a classic fuck up, Roman. She, when Jerry wants to berate you, she can do it. Oh yeah, she's got a well, well schooled in this regard. And yeah, that scene plays out and ends, and we cut to breakfast in the next morning. Yeah, and this is probably an all time moment for me in the series. Um, I want to talk about a couple things. One is Kendall gets up and he is pooped his bed. Now, I told you this. We, we watched this together He's, over uh, New Year's. shit the bed, if you will. He shit the bed. We talked about this over New Year's, and I told you, I'm going to tell the audience now, a lot of folks already knew what I was doing. Um, we would review episodes of the show, and when Kendall would screw something up, I would say, yeah, Kendall really shit the bed there. It, uh, uh, this, this scene had already aired when I was doing that, and the people who had watched it, re- lot, multiple people reached out to me and were like, fucking know what you're doing there, and it's hilarious. And a couple times I think I overdid it because you kind of would pause and go, yeah, yeah, said that before. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, but like the fourth time, I'm like, oh, Lee's getting oddly, you know, just repetitive right now. That's that doesn't seem like him, but okay, just bad yeah, podcasting. fair. I understand. Uh, so he tries to clean it up. Uh, Shiv is outside. She's looking very worried. I take it she hadn't slept much. Uh, and then everyone meets up for breakfast. Now, this is a common scene for the show. They like to travel. They to, and it's a true to form. Rich people like that do travel a lot. Um, and they always they go somewhere, something fucking weird happens, and then they all have to deal with the buffet breakfast in the morning. Yeah, that's how they work. That's how they run. <laughs> Last time we saw this, somebody friggin' died. And this morning, maybe not that different. Oh, no, no it's not the last time. The last time we saw it was after Boar on the Floor. Oh, the God, yeah. Sausage, Tom. <laughs> okay, let's review. Person died, Boar on the Floor, this moment. We've established the yes. theme. Yeah, the awkward breakfasts are, are really uh, a treat with this show. But this is the moment that I love. Uh, my favorite moment of the episode. Uh, Tom, so uh, did anybody get into any fun last night or um, fun? Roman, I jerked off in Jerry's bathroom last night. <laughs> so, And then she's so classy of you. It's okay, don't worry. It was actually her idea. Get really out. The old gal's juice is flowing. 
Not missing a beat, Jerry says, even as a joke. That is a stomach-turning thought. I, I love that you've mentioned this before, because it's so true about Roman, that he's in a, a delightful position in life of where he can say the absolute, unmitigated, unharnessed truth, and everyone just assumes he's making it up, because that's Roman. Well, because think about, put yourself in that position. And he comes in and says, I jerked off in Jerry's bathroom last night. You'd be like, oh, God, Roman. Oh, that's so God, you. Gross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jerry does not let on. She plays it very well. Um, and she plays it so well that even Tabs laughs. Yeah. Um, Jerry's a tour de force here. Really, really strong. Really strong episode from her. Mm-hmm. Frank then asked Connor how it went with Maxim. Because if you remember, uh, Maxim was a Novo that, that Connor was working on. Um, he says that the conversation did good south for a bit, but then they cracked open a bottle of port. Of course they did. Connor said he got tipsy and offered him the State Department. <laughs> so apparently Connor rallied it in the end. Kind of similar to the Naomi and uh, Kendall kind of thing. It, you know, it remind me of the 2008 Democratic primary. It's like uh, it got sour. Um, bottle of port came out. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Obama and Hillary Clinton got drunk together and he offered her the State Department. <laughs> oh, God, I would love if that's how that actually played out. <laughs> Um, so it looks like Connor may have won over Maxim. Ray sits down with Logan and Kendall and says the family had a closed door meeting. Um, that she doesn't know what the vote is. And she got freezed out of this a little bit. And I think she got freezed out of it, my theory, is because Nan noticed how close she was working with Logan. Yeah. And she probably felt like whatever we're getting out of Ray right now is not really honest. Mm-hmm. And but go ahead. And I was gonna say, and uh, Nan wants to meet with them. And she has a very select list of people that she wants to be there. Yep. Who are they? Uh, that would be Logan, Marsha, Jerry, Shiv, and Kendall. The power quintuple right there. She was able, and I don't know if it's through some research before the family got there, or just what she was able to suss out at dinner. Those are the people you probably want in the room. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is when they go in, Marsha is not there. And Logan explains that she's gone on a walk. Yeah. Is this... Kent, uh, Logan just realizing that Marsh is just kind of going off the reservation right now and I'm not risking that anymore? Or is this just continuing the process of Marsha being boxed out over the course of this season? Probably a little bit of both. Um, I think he, he doesn't want her in those situations. I think he probably feels like she's overplayed her hand a little bit in a few uh, instances. Mm-hmm. And I think he also knows that right now she's a bit of a wild card. So you really don't want her there just because she's running hot. I, I also think that it's not the role that Marsh has ever maintained. She's not the face. She's meant to be the behind-the-scenes support. That's right. kind of her position of power, and that's what they've understood. Putting her first and foremost is purposely trying to take them out of what the nature of their relationship is, and Logan's not about to allow that right now. Logan's coming in. Logan starts this conversation trying to be polite, but you can see that Logan's kind of just tired of putting up with this shit right now. He is. He is. Um, and he, Nan, I think... In her mind, she's got more power than she really does because she starts, first of all, she starts out by commenting on his selection of Marsha and saying, oh, well, most men in your station, they would go for a certain type. And Logan does not find that funny or anything that she should be talking about. Um, and then then the, God, the self-flatulation here from fucking Nan, she starts saying, call me a romantic, but I happen to believe that the presence of Pierce news cameras was what stopped certain East German border guards from opening fire in 1989. We helped take down that wall. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's just utterly laughable, and I adore uh, uh, Logan's one-word response there. It's just dripping with sarcasm. He just says, "Commendable." <laughs> he says, "You may not believe that, but I do." And now, now here we are, 
On the one hand, I do not like you very much, and I do not like your politics. On the other hand, I had a conversation this morning with my cousin Naomi, <gasps> and she believes that a sale is the only way to ensure that Pierce Media can flourish. Go Kendall! Tim Kendall! Kendall! He did it! He won her over! Hardest vote in the family to get. Kendall got hammered with her, almost crashed a fucking helicopter, made out with her, and convinced her to be a yes vote. Tour de force. Good work. MVP Kendall. And I don't think we really we heard from Rhea that, you know, Naomi's kind of got Nan's ear, but I don't think it was really before this moment we realized how powerful she potentially is. Because she's right there at the table. When Nan invited the various power players, she apparently thinks that Naomi needed to be right at her left for this conversation. I also like that Naomi was such a no vote that, like, Logan didn't really spend a lot of time about her. No. Like he, he didn't even talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone assumed she was a no vote, and Kendall won her over. I thought that was a strong move by Kendall. It uh, definitely puts him in the running for one of the episodes. Definitely so. Definitely so, despite the fact he literally shit the bed. He did literally shit the bed. <laughs> uh, um, so that's where we are. Uh, uh, um, just just, just a random comment, but at one point when Kendall walks in for breakfast, do you see that he kind of stares into the kitchen and briefly locks eyes with the maid? No, <laughs> he does. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to go in there. <laughs> he, he briefly locks eyes with the maid, and I think she already knows because she gives him this really sour expression on her face, too. Like, dude, I just literally cleaned your shit. Don't look at me. Yeah, sorry about that. It was, uh, it was all the booze and coke. Yeah, um, it does that. Nan then finally does kick it to Reyes. says, what do you think? She says she thinks they're worth more. Uh, Jerry, we have made a very generous offer in terms of market valuations. Nevertheless. Logan, I don't like to be squeezed. I thought we had a number. He said, I can go to 25, but it has to be fast. And then Reyes says, okay, I'm in. Do you think? I'm, yes, I'm a guest for 25. And I think you said when we were watching the episode that this was probably rehearsed. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Because Logan had a number right away he wanted to get to, and Reyes didn't push back on that number. It seemed like a pre-negotiated number. Yeah, and the fact that Logan just, not, just doesn't even really respond to it. He just kind of goes, hey, I don't really like this, but I can go to 25, which is without any resistance at all, no pushback. It, it seems in my mind that this was meant to be, okay, you're already into it. Let me just add a sweetener and make it look like it's something I'm forcing a person who's distrusting of this onto my page. And that's a good sell right now. But it's apparently not enough based on what happened last night. Yep. Um, then... Dan says, okay, well, if we can clear up our ethical concerns, I think we can talk. She says they want to retain some board seats. They want to get ironclad editorial sure, protections in place. Sure, sure, Logan says, yep, 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 good, good. Um, she also would like to have a conversation about management. Uh, I won't have that man overseeing our news. I'm sorry, it's just not tenable. Logan, that won't be a problem. <laughs> so yeah. there's your answer. There's your answer about Tom. He has no problems dumping Tom over. And you notice Shib does not speak up. Does not speak up. She reacts a little bit to it. Or was she, it there's a clear like, acknowledgement from her about, oh, that's something that's going to be talked about later. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to cause a bad night for me. Yeah. <laughs> a very bad um, night for her. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that's what she was thinking. Then Nan, bridge too far. More importantly, we would like you to publicly announce a successor. Logan, mm-hmm. And we would like the person you publicly announced to be Siobhan Roy. Logan, well, that's not quite how I do things. And Nan draws a line in the sand here. It was just like, well, that's going to have to be. Because, frankly, she's a young woman and her politics fit better with our core values. So that's our offer. Logan, well, to be fair, you don't have an offer. I have an offer, and if I announce my daughter, if. my daughter will be announced on my time. If. 
And then Nan starts to lose her temper. She says, you can't put a value on what we do. <laughs> Logan, funny, I have put a value on what you do. <laughs> and then Nan says, well, if you won't budge, we have no deal. Uh, and Logan says, we're done on his way out. Great line from Logan here. Oh, yeah. Would you like to hear my favorite passage from Shakespeare? Take the fucking money. It, it's paraphrasing, but that's definitely in there. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Logan Logan leaves, and then he's in the um, helicopter uh, on the way back, and Shib is trying to talk to him, and he's preoccupied. I was able to suss it out in the first watching that he was preoccupied because he had he's, he's bluffing here. He wants to see if Nan's gonna gonna say okay, sorry, you know, we'll accept your terms. It, it's a powerful move by the two of them, where it's two two players both bluffing and just waiting for who's gonna blink first. It's their game of twenty five billion dollar chicken, and it's a very powerful play by Logan to just walk there when they, from that perspective, Pierce's they know that he's desperate. And they're trying not to let on how desperate they apparently are, too. But yeah, and but he gets a call. Well, it, it's it's interesting the helicopter of where he's barely keeping it in. He's he's made the play, but God is stressing him out. He's freaking out. He's calling a helicopter or a whirly bird. It's he's not in a good place right here. But he punches the window, which if he broke the window, would have been a real safety problem. Oh yeah, definitely. But as you said, when they land, this is presumably not long after the conversation. He gets the cell phone goes off. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's goddamn fucking right. <laughs> well said, sir. Perfect Logan accent. Yeah, he he bellows this on the the, the helipad there for the for the helicopter. Apparently, I would say probably Raya called him and said, "Okay, you don't need to announce the successor. If you stay at twenty five, we're good." Yeah, twenty twenty five. They're probably still conditioning it on the independence and everything else, but they threw oh, yeah, yeah. they threw out the term that was unacceptable. I think so. Cut back to Logan's living room, and it looks like they're all sitting around celebrating. And in comes my main man, Greg. Oh, sorry, Gregory. Gregory. A new character has arrived on this show. <laughs> yep. Um, and he immediately... Go ahead, you, you say it. Yeah, I mean, not only is he Gregory from here on out, and making sure everybody knows that, but our Gregory has a new suit, a new haircut, a new look, a new man is before us. Good work, Gregory. And he comes in and immediately asks Marsha how she is. Uh -huh. he, he understands the power in the room, too. He does. He does. And uh, the only person to really interact with him is Kendall, who says, Hey, Gregory, have a drink. Have a drink, you beautiful Ichabod Crane. <laughs> it, it is nice to see Kendall's expression even when he says this. We didn't just acknowledge him. He's kind of smiling. It's like, Greg, Gregory, I'm actually happy you're here. Come on, join us. It, I know that. Yeah. This is just going to be a really weird thing to say, and feel free to throw it right back at me. I think they might actually just be friends. Okay, okay. In this family, you're throwing <laughs> out things like that? I mean, yeah. you... Okay, don't fart on your shit, man. We've talked about this. <laughs> I think he might actually like him. He gave him the place to stay. He's partied with him. He's happy when Greg comes in the room. He even calls him Gregory. You know, I, I agree that some of the signs are there for normal humans, but with this, yes, totally, they're friends. It's, it's a heartwarming thing to say. <laughs> and it appears to be a friendship that does not involve also executive level, executive level business or flying water bottles, too. So, it, No executive level business. Mm, so a much more heartwarming friendship kind of thing. And it's something, it's a friend. If anybody on this show needs a friend, it's Kendall. And Greg seems like a good choice for that. Gregory. Yep. I'm going to get this right as we go. Gregory. Um, Logan then gives a speech. He says, money wins. Here's to us. 
Marsha doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. He walks upstairs. What do we end of episode? What do we make of that? Because this is a moment of utter celebration. They've accomplished what they set out for this entire season to do. And Marsha just sets her drink down. Logan sets a drink down. Gives Shiv a look and just walks out of the room. What? Do you, how do you interpret that scene? I interpret it as Logan. He's happy that the deal got pulled off. But I bet you in his mind, he thinks he had to do everything. The family fucked it as hard as they could have. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be more disappointed in Shib and Marsha. And he's still seething with anger. So he's not really there to party. No, I very much agree with that interpretation. The, kind of the point that Logan's always from is, my family fucked it up. Because that's kind of the thought that's always in his head. But here he's got evidence that he's never had before. That even his most reliable players went off the reservation on this. At least the people he thought yep. were. Yep. And that's got to have blowback over the course of this next couple episodes. Absolutely. All right, well, I think that is the end of our recap. Anything you want to generally talk about about the episode before we jump into segments? I mean, it was a good episode. I think I liked some of the last couple episodes a bit more, um, but it was a necessary kind of plot episode that we haven't had for a while. Several of the prior episodes were very much building. They were kind of developing where we were going, and this one was the culmination of a lot of that. It had some great moments, and it's so conclusive, it makes me even wonder where we're going next. Because again, this was from episode one of the season where we were going. And we just reached the midway point. This is the mid-season climax kind of thing. And I have no clue where we go from there. Is it just purely the process of making this kind of deal happen? Is some other big issue going to blow up that then sets the course for the season? I'm not sure. But at least at this point, we've kind of reached what appears to be the top of the plateau they were aiming towards. And I just don't know where the next hike is going to take us. Interesting. Okay. Do you have any predictions or? I, I, okay. I said this and I'm just ready for this to be wrong because it probably is, but I'm just kind of focusing this from like a production standpoint and just like a writing standpoint of they're really wanting us to remember cruises. They really, they reference it almost every episode of where, hey, cruises, that cruises thing. Let's not talk about the cruises thing. And here, in terms of that list of things they're not going to talk about, it's a couple obvious points. It's the, uh, uh, the uh, what, what was the name? What, what was the name of that guy? DTN News starts with an R. Um, uh, the, Ravenhead, the Nazi. Yes, yes. Reference him in the last episode. Fine, that's that's already in your heads. But then Cruises is specifically mentioned, and the fact that when specifically mentioned that one is interesting because why would any of them talk about it anyway? I mean, most of them have nothing to do with it or even even thought about it. It's not in the news, so. It's interesting that they would specifically, again, put that one in our minds. Yep. So I'm thinking something happens with cruises. Because, again, okay. we've already got like a couple ways Tom's going to... We've got a couple different hills for Tom to die on. But cruises could be another way that, that wipes him out. We've got Greg with his files that are just... He's taunting us with them eventually coming out. So that could eventually play. So in terms of just a another moment to just suddenly knock Logan off his pedestal or at least add extra tension to the scenario to involve possible heads rolling cruises seems like a good way to do that from just a production standpoint particularly with how much they've kind of foreshadowed that this is eventually going to blow this is a live reactor kind of thing so my guess is that's going to come up in some way shape or form and maybe that'll play into my scenario about kendall finally doing his naomi pierce kind of moment and getting out of this family 
or finding some way to screw over his dad or something to become more independent from the, just the utterly chatteled kind of state he's currently in. But I don't get how those events link, and I don't know how it's going to play out. So just from a purely production standpoint of what would be satisfying and foreshadowed, those make sense. But I don't know how we get there. So good. All right. Uh, do you have any relationship advice in the episode? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, so many of it's already recurrent things that we don't necessarily need to discuss. I mean, we talk, we've already talked about the uh, Logan and Marsha relationship and what's going on there and what they need to do to improve things. I think one of the main things we saw in this course this episode is you need to be able to have honest conversations with your partners about what you want and about where you are and about what you hope to get out of the relationship or where you hope to go from where you presently are. And so many of these characters aren't willing to do that, either due to their own hold, their own difficulties, or their own prickliness, their own positions of power. It's just a lot of people that aren't willing to humble themselves to actually have moments of equals between two people. So we've talked about all of those before. It's fundamental defects of these characters that are often tragic to see. So no need to go into those more. In terms of just like a big life moment to suggest, though, uh, to talk with Logan briefly. Everyone kind of needs to understand their family and understand what they're capable of and what their deficits are and love them regardless of those various deficits. But you need to understand what is a bridge too far for them. For this family, it's anything about diplomacy. It's anything about putting them in a room for more than 10 minutes with people that are outside their immediate circle or aren't in a, they aren't in a position to power over and expecting them to act human. You're always going to be frustrated with your family if you continually put them in situations that you know or reasonably should understand they can't do. At a certain point, though, if you're doing that, that's kind of on you. It's less that they're embarrassing you than you're embarrassing them and yourself along with them. So it's just a, a continued advice throughout this entire show is learn to understand other people and respect the fact that though they aren't necessarily who you want them to be, that's who they are, and it can be on you as a good person to work with them on that and try to establish some common ground. Something that none of these characters are ever willing to do. Can I paraphrase here? Please. Uh, if you're going to ask your partner to roleplay like necrophilia, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you got to read her in first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're there needs to be a script kind of moment of where you discuss this before you just jump right into, okay, let's turn to the plot. I think the best way to put this is that's not something you can ever improv. <laughs> Don't do it no. that way. There, there needs to be a script. <laughs> that doesn't come up naturally. There needs to be a script review process. Okay, so my, my, my relationship advice to the episode is kind of all, to paraphrase it, don't be the Roy family. Learn a valuable series of lessons from this fable about things not to do. Yep, agreed. Okay, cut to Roman line of the episode. Do you have any that you would like to nominate, or are you good with me going ahead to the awarding? I think we've already discussed some of the best ones, and honestly, if I was going to vote here, I'm going with Tom. I'm going with Tom Wagon. Mom's games. Roy of the episode. Jeepers fucking creepers. What a shit pinata. That was like that was like the most Roy thing I've ever seen. It's like I got a quart of Roy injected to my eyeballs. That is the greatest line ever. <laughs> that is such a funny line. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, okay. And then I think we can cut now to final segment. Roy of the episode. I previously said uh, Kendall had to be in the running. I, I stand by that. He won Naomi Pierce over. Um, but my humble opinion here is that this was always going to be Logan if Logan closed the deal. It looks like he did. It's got to be Logan. It's getting frustrating at a certain point because this has been like, what, four episodes of row of Logan just winning? Yep. I mean, it... 
He has had a... He's on a good run. He's had a, a hell of a good run over the course of this season, and I don't see where that stops, barring outside intervening factors. It's, I think, like we've done three or so episodes in a row of where the options are Logan and Kendall, and we can't really give it to Kendall because he's doing everything for Logan, and it's not what he wants to do. So, yeah, well, I, I give it to Logan and Kendall's honorable mention this week. Sorry, Greg. Uh, well, Gory. Hey, come on. Gregory gets, a, gets at least a secondary honorable mention here. Yeah. <laughs> I like to give it to Greg, but he was on screen for about 10 seconds. And it was a powerful 10 seconds. You know, every, I agree. He, it, what was interesting about Gregory <laughs> walking into the room, and I think it actually merits some note, is how natural it is now. That oh, yeah. He walks in, it's just like, hey, I'm here. How's everybody doing? There's no awkwardness attached to it anymore. That he's just walking. He's very much a part of the family. And that's a powerful moment for Gregory to get to that point. But Agreed. It, yeah, he doesn't even merit honorable mention. He's in that screen time. But acknowledging that, he still would probably be in third place this episode, even with his 10 seconds. Oh, absolutely. Um, because Shib is the biggest loser of an episode that we possibly have ever had. Um, Roman tried to role play necrophilia with his pseudo girlfriend before jerking off in the bathroom of his mother like figure who's like 30 years older than him yeah while also just at every possible moment screaming Roman's an interesting situation where he'd just done the electric circus thing that already would put him at a low point for this episode but that's not all he had to offer Electric Circus. Yeah, I put that on my summer reading list for this year. Yeah. I'll get to it. I'll get to it in May. And then Tom was just, you know, wearing the hair shirt the entire episode. Connor. Yeah, he's just the whipping boy. Connor could barely maintain a positive conversation when going about politics, so it seems like he ended up okay. Well, he gave away state, so that's not good. Well, you know, what value does that really have in this day and age anymore? Yeah, fair point. Mm. Um, Okay. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? No, solid episode. But again, I am so damn baffled about what happens next. I mean, what's even the name of the next episode? Uh, I can look that up right now. Uh, I'm going to let you do it because I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, yeah. Argustes. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Uh, what? What is that? You'll find out. I have not a damn clue, and that's exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, this was good. We are at the midway point of Succession Season 2. We are back next week. Next Sunday, that'll be, what, the 12th, maybe? Yes, the 12th with our next episode, which will be reviewing Season 6, Episode 6, or Season 2, Episode 6, Argusties. Uh Thanks for doing this with me, Spencer. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you.